Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Laser Focus, the deep dive podcast from Nerdist, pop culturally speaking. I'm your host, Kyle Anderson. Um, thank you for joining us in the middle of September. I actually don't know when this is going to come out. I guess September. Early September is when this is coming out. Um, this week, I am uh, absolutely thrilled to be rejoined by one of my favorite people on the planet of Earth. Um, she's the features editor of Nerdist. She is, uh, as you heard in the last uh, appearance, huge Walking Dead fan. Also, the reason we even met each other is because we're both huge Doctor Who fans. And that's what we're going to talk about this week is this, the state of Doctor Who and what we're excited for going forward. Welcome once again, Ty Gooden. Hi, Ty. Hi, Kyle. Thank you for such high regards and such wonderful words. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. I, I mean them with all of my being. So yeah, uh, as as always, we uh, we do the Nerdy Nine here on Laser Focus. So please, Ty, pick a number between one and nine. I'm going to go with lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. This is perfect. This is exactly the right one you should have picked. <laughs> what is your favorite theme song? Oh my gosh. So I am a huge theme song fan. Like there's so many, it's so hard to pick from them. I literally, my brain is just nothing but walking theme songs, but I <laughs> love the Fresh Prince. And I think the Fresh Prince theme song is probably my favorite one. Like I know all the lyrics, it pops up in my head all the time. It's just a perfect, perfect, perfect theme song. Also like the Wonder Woman theme song from um, the 1970s TV oh, show. Oh yeah. Like that one is Wonder Woman. That's a banger for sure. Yes. She's in sad tights fighting for her rights. Like I, I love that. Love that for her. I used to have um several like CDs of theme songs because mm-hmm. why wouldn't I? Um and like some of those superhero TV theme songs were really good. And Wonder Woman's maybe the best. I mean, obviously the Batman theme, but that's just none of none of none of Batman, but it's still got a good right. beat and stuff to it. But yeah, the Wonder Woman theme has good lyrics. It's got a really good dance beat. Um, it is so like seventies, yeah, like squarely, purely seventies. And I love when the song is like super representative of the specific time period that it came out in. That that's that song for me. Also, like Gilligan's huge, Island, yeah, yeah. That is a huge part good. of the appeal of old TV theme songs. Is that you're right? They absolutely reflect the time period. It's you know, mm-hmm. if it was just sort of like. Well, even like um, the Andy Griffith show, just that's feels very 50s, you know, it does the whistling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're big. Uh, Ty and I will kind of just randomly quote song lyrics to each other and often <laughs> TV theme song lyrics and uh, sitcom 80s sitcom lyrics, I think, are the the ones that are in my head the most. And going yeah. into the 90s. Yeah, the Fresh Prince theme song was great. And I think that that, that was like the the apex because you remember when the uh, the friends theme song was like a radio hit do you remember when that's the extended yeah. version of that song was on the radio wow. in the 90s that was wild yeah and i feel like that was maybe the last maybe not the last but they started using just like re- like re-recordings of existing pop songs um going forward yep. and then and then they just stopped making theme songs entirely and then it was just like Here's like seven notes and that's your theme song. Right. Yeah. It makes me sad. Like I need, we need good theme songs, especially those with like lyrics that really tie into like the whole crux of the show or whatever. Like we need that. Yeah. Fresh Prince absolutely does that. And it's really representative of like where hip hop culture was at the time. Cause mm. it was definitely still in it's much like it was getting ready to kind of 
really on the peak of becoming like this global phenomenon, like you had Will Smith at the time. And he was, I think, maybe like a year or so off of winning like the first hip hop Grammy mm. when that show came out. Because I think he won the Grammy in like 88, 89. That show came out right. in 90. So, yeah, I mean, hip hop was really starting to become like not just like a cultural thing among like, you know, black and brown people, but it was really starting to kind of take off and have an impact, you know, you know, globally or whatever. And so to have a hip hop theme song and it become popular. And if I'm not mistaken, it was getting like air- airplay and like radio play and stuff too. Yeah. He still raps that song. Like, and I mean, still in, you know, still enjoys it. It's just, it's, it's so like catchy. It's, it's colorful. It's fun. I love that theme song. And they were really playing like, cause the, the opening theme song or the, the opening like title sequence, um, is a is a fun music video in and of itself, but like it kind mm-hmm. of reflects. I don't know if it was the same person directing that bit or if it was just meant to like kind of evoke that, but it, it looks a lot like the parents just don't understand music video. It does look a lot like that. I I'm not sure if it was the same person directing it or not, but it has the same absolute same like spirit of it. But it just yeah. shows you how closely like Will Smith the person and Will Smith the character were just so mm-hmm. tightly interconnected, even though the story of the Fresh Prince is actually not, it's not Will Smith's story at all. You know, it's the story right. of Benny Medina and his, you know, and what happened with him when he ended up going to live with a rich family. But yeah, so good. So fun. Yeah. I love the, uh, uh, the, this is a true fact, which you can look up, but it's like, we, we know where Will Smith went after this, like just stardom and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, the original idea was for the show to be <laughs> kid and play. That's who they initially wanted. And it's like, I can't, yeah. I mean, they were big off of the house party movies, obviously, but like maybe just the first one at that point. But um, right. there is absolutely no world where that would have been as big a hit because like n- no shade on kid and play, but they're like, Will Smith is just like ca- charisma in a, in a, you know, a hat. I don't know. That was absolutely. a metaphor, but <laughs> I know what you meant. Yeah, man. I I love yeah. things like that. It's like the, the almost was going to be this person and not this person, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's so, I love the, like the audition story behind it yeah. too. Like he's at Quincy Jones's house, all the executives and stuff are there. Like Will has no acting experience and he's like on the verge of being broke because he had to mm-hmm. file for bankruptcy and stuff. So he has no money. And it's like, of course you need to say yes to this thing because you have no money, but you still have to audition. And he had to literally like Quincy Jones drunkenly clears a room and tells all the executives to say, and Will has to audition like right then. And he's like, dude, I'm not ready. And he's like, dude, all the people that need to say yes to this right now and like give you this show are sitting in this room. They're in my house right now. There's no (laughs) going away and like preparing for this. Like either you're going to do it now or you're walking away from this opportunity. And so he had like 15 minutes to get himself together and audition in front of them and like nail the audition. Of course he did. Amazing. Yeah, that's such a good story. and. And that show, like, and it was one of those shows, too, that, like, um, it sort of, like, started, not, I won't say small, but, like, it grew into, like, you must, you know, like, must watch television there. Oh, like, yeah. in, I would say, like, um, maybe, like, season two on, or maybe even three onward. I don't even know. But, like, I remember the first couple seasons uh, not watching them because I, I was whatever. But, like, when right. I started watching it, it was, I think, already maybe past the first Aunt Viv era or maybe even maybe just like the, the tail end of it or something like that. But like going back and watching in syndication, it's like, Oh, there's a lot of him in high school that I just didn't watch because <laughs> it was like pre my time. Right. Right. Good stuff. Oh, theme, uh, old TV at some point Ty will be on. And we're going to just talk about old sitcoms, I think, because that would be 
it's something we would enjoy at the very least. Yes, that's absolutely up both of our alleys. Yes. So, but we are going to talk about Doctor Who. Um, we're both enormous Doctor Who fans. We kind of, I definitely got my start in, you know, what is now my career writing about because I was a big Doctor Who fan and wanted to write about it. I, mm-hmm. I think that's the same for you. But if you want to like give your little Doctor Who origin story, that would be the perfect time for it. Yeah. 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 Like Doctor Who. Um, when I first started freelancing, like back in 2012, I wasn't I was watching Doctor Who then, but I initially wasn't really writing about it or anything like that. I spent a lot of time writing for like music blogs and I was doing like uh, covering like local news and doing things like that, just trying to like get my get my feet on the ground. Um, so I took a break because I really wasn't making any money, came back in 2014. And when I came back in 2014, I actually got invited to a now defunct Doctor Who convention that used to take place um, up in like the Baltimore, Maryland area. And that was like my first time ever doing press. Like I was there just on like a freelance capacity. I didn't even know who the heck I was going to write for because mm. <laughs> I wasn't working anywhere. Well, not for, like as a writer, like I was working in a, what was I doing then? I was in banking back then. Man. So I wasn't writing or editing or anything like that full time. It was long before all of that came. And Doctor Who was really my gateway into getting back into writing and actually really making it my career. But I actually started watching the show. I used to work at a call center and uh, we had a shift, small shift that of people that were working there together from 12 to 8. And so we called ourselves like the late night crew, even though I mean, 8 o'clock is not late at night. But after five is when like all like your managers and stuff would go home. So it would literally just be us there and we would just be absolutely chaotic. We were never busy. No one was ever calling that much because we work for a science supply company. Um, And so we would sit around and just like talk about like nerdy stuff. Like that was just what we did. So, you know, we talk about DC, we talk about Marvel, talked about just television and like pop culture in general. And the guy that sat beside me had a TARDIS on his desk. Um, and I had some familiarity with like Doctor Who, but I had just never gotten into it. It was it was kind of at a time where it was really hard to be able to get access to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think this was around the time that it kind of hit Netflix and and hung out there for a while. Yeah. And so, you know, me and him were t- he was like, man, like with the things that you love and the things that you enjoy, you totally would love Doctor Who. Like it's streaming now. Just watch the first three episodes of like the you know the modern era of it or whatever he was like the first three episodes will kind of give you like an overall view of what it's like like there's one in the present there's a story in the past and there's a story like that takes place way in the future or whatever so i'm like cool went home and thought i was going to watch the first three episodes and watched like the whole first season that night and i mean ever since then i've just been absolutely in love with the series even ups and downs Things I like and dislike, like Doctor Who is definitely, as much as I love The Walking Dead, I think Doctor Who, if I was going to choose like a fandom that was like my fandom yeah, that I'm truly, truly deep into in many ways, not only like personally, um, but, you know, professional and then just a fandom that really has my heart, Doctor mm. Who is the, is the one for me. Yeah, I'm exactly in the same spot. Like I, that's, that's, it's my, I want, it's not my first fandom. Like when I was in. Yeah, yeah, of course. Middle school and high school, I was like a huge X Files fan, and then I became a huge Buffy fan, and like you know stuff mm-hmm. like that. I was I was definitely predisposed to that kind of thing, but I uh, I was really disillusioned with Star Wars at the time, uh, and so and right. that was my thing, like in the in college essentially with Star Wars, and I was just like, ugh, I'm not really feeling this, and blah blah blah, and then just randomly, uh, I I watched an episode of the Eccleston season that was on BBC America when I was home from work one day. And it was Father's Day, which just happens to be maybe the best episode of that season. Um, And I was like, wow, that was really good. And then I was like, 
Oh, it's on Netflix. Let me let me just watch. And I really like Chris Farkleston. And I was, I was, you know, um, parts of the early season are a bit rough, but like I, he's really good. Billy Piper's really good. And I just kept watching. And I was like, well, I'm only going to watch this one season because I only like Farkleston. <laughs> and then like that ended, and I was like, well, let me just see what this David Tennant guy's like. And then I was like. Well, I mean, I'm only going to watch the first couple episodes, and it was just like, and then I was on forever. It's too late. It had its claws in you. It did. And this was 2009. (laughs) So I got fully caught up on the new series by time Tenet was leaving. And then Mm -hmm. I I was at WonderCon in San Francisco. I think it might have even been the last year it was in San Francisco before it moved to Anaheim. And they Mm -hmm. showed the 11th hour there. It was like a good weaker nice. maybe even two before like it was when it was airing in uh the uk but it was way before it was going to air in the u.s this is before it was mm-hmm. day and date stuff and i could not have been more excited to watch the, the first episode of this new doctor and so like i yeah. definitely consider smith my doctor because he was the new doctor when i really got into the show and everything like that yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah watching it in a room full of people is just such a completely different experience absolutely like i was so bummed that i wasn't able to have that experience until it was, gosh, where was I at? I'm trying to think about which convention I was at. I don't think it was Galley. Mm. I might have been down at um at Hulanta. I think that's where I was at, and it was at what a good name, <laughs> Hulanta. Perfect name, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> rest in peace to them because they they no longer exist. Um, but I was mm. at Hulanta. I'm pretty sure, and we actually got a chance to watch um the Twelfth Doctor episode Knock Knock together. Oh wow, that's a good and that one. was. So much fun. Like, I mean, just that little bit of like haunted house, you know, mm-hmm. horror vibe and all of that stuff. Like, I was like, I should have been doing this sooner. Like, yeah, I've watched it with small groups of friends and stuff, but just a whole room full of people that love what you love and are like gasping and commenting and stuff on like the same things. And then they had like a discussion panel right after where, you know, people were just in there and it was a relatively I mean, it was a relatively decent size enough space where people were able to like raise their hand and kind of interact with some of like the panelists and all of that. And it was just, it was a cool experience. Yeah. It's, and it's definitely one of the, like maybe the first, um, like thing I was into where I was like, uh, I need to find other people who like this thing because nobody here that I knew at the time was into Dr. Who and nobody wanted to hear right. me talk about it. So I, that's <laughs> when you get into online spaces and stuff and that I feel like mm-hmm. the groundswell of, you know, from disparate, I mean, cause that's how I met you. Like we went to, uh, we met mm-hmm. in person at Gallifrey one, whatever year that was. I don't even remember what year that was, but, uh, several years back. Um, and, um, we met through mutual friends and, and everything. And, and like, um, so many of my people I would consider like very good friends now are people I met at those conventions because of Doctor Who and stuff like that. This is this is a uh, a call to everybody to like, you know, get involved with positive fan spaces because it yes. really is helpful. Like obviously there's kind of not good people in any fan space, but um uh, and we've had to deal with our fair share of people like that. But um it's so much less i mean at least from our my perspective i don't know if yours is different but like it's much less toxic than some of the other like larger fandoms i feel like um oh yeah absolutely but i you know i think it's the way that you and i both engage with this particular fandom like mm-hmm. we've like you said we have this uh close knit group of friends that all kind of have not only you know not only do we share this experience of loving this show but we also have you know similar beliefs when it comes to 
you know, social things, political right. things, you know, right. people that just kind of align with your values and stuff. Um, and so for me, I really don't, and I don't think I'm like this really with any fandom where I feel like I engage super largely with like the at-large fandom. Like I find my pockets in my spaces. So like mm -hmm. the friend group that we're a part of, it's, you know, me and you and Joy and, you know, other people that are part of that circle. Right. I tend to engage with those people a whole lot. And, you know, I've podcasted with them before. We've paneled together before. You and I work together. Like, right. I mean, so I'm kind of constantly, you know, interacting with that um, piece. But, you know, for me specifically, it was the, the guy that introduced me to Doctor Who was Black. Um, and so it was really cool for us to, for him to kind of become my first Doctor Who person. Because, of course, I went back to work. I'm like, oh, my God, it's awesome. Like, I love it. And so we're still friends to this day. As a matter of fact, he came out to uh, Galley earlier this year for the first time oh great and he hung out with yeah he hung out with me and some of my homies he was like i don't know anybody out there but right. i know you'll be out there and we've been you know we've been kicking it for a long time so i was like sure you can come right into my group but um the group that i tend to hang out with at, at galley our galley crew you know it's it's really diverse mm -hmm. um you got a lot of black people a lot of brown folks in there you have a lot of people um that are from like different marginalized communities and stuff and i think that was really important to me because i needed to experience the fandom with other people who also share some of my kind of life experiences and yeah. will be able to process things through the lens that I look at them through because you do see things through a different lens. I mean, the things that happen to us and who we are and how we show up in the world really inform the way that we engage with fandom. Yeah. So when I was able to find other fans and, you know, not saying that our experiences are monolithic, but you do look at certain, you know, elements of a TV show or a comic or whatever you're engaging with different, you know, if you're a person of color. If you're somebody that's in, you know, the LGBTQ community, you know, if you're somebody that, I mean, even with, with me and you, even if we were fundamentally, you know, the same in terms of race and, you know, and gender and stuff, you're, you know, you have experience growing up in Colorado, you've lived in LA for a long time. I'm a mid-Atlantic, you know, East Coast girl. So I've been in the Carolinas and Virginia my whole life. And so the way that my life has gone over on the East Coast is completely different than what you've experienced, you know, as a person that lives further out West. So it was really cool to, it's, you know, for me, and like I said, I think you, you know, you probably feel the same way too, that a lot of the reason our, our experience isn't quite as toxic is because we're really intentional about who we align with Yeah. in terms of enjoying, you know, enjoying Doctor Who and engaging in the fandom, you know, in general. And I don't know if this is sort of, I'm sure, I'm sure it's indicative of like the way the show is. I mean, the fundamentals of Doctor Who are that, uh, I think uh, at, when it's at its best and obviously they've kind of divulged depending on who's in charge of writing it and everything like that. But like mm -hmm. the doctor is inherently um, pacifistic or at least not non um, uh, violence as a first option kind of thing. And that really like spoke to me when I was first getting into it because so much media um, sci-fi media or just kind of, you know, action adventure media in general is very much pew, pew, pew guns, blazing kind yeah. of thing and there's definitely a spot for that like you and i have gushed about how much we love john wick and stuff like that that's a oh, yeah, that is absolutely. a violent violent franchise um but one of my favorite things about doctor who is that it's it's intellectual first it's um you know optimism it's it's you know um it's 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 an adventure it's a swashbuckling adventure show where nobody wields a sword and the doctor almost never picks up a gun a couple of yeah. times that happens and you kind of go like oh you know there was a time in the 80s which were very violent um which is not my favorite era but um uh it's it's i, I don't know it just kind of re it, it kind of really it it spoke to me at a at a point where i was l looking for something um 
positive and it has remained even even the stuff that I dislike in terms because I you know you and I think both come at the show different ways but like we engage with it on a fun uh, like a narrative and like character and like all you know much more structurally than I guess aesthetically like we I I like the look of it but like bad special effects don't really or good special effects like that that's kind of more just like window dressing whereas like if a really well written and well acted story that that either has a really good plot or like a really um engages with character development and stuff like that that's that's what I love the most and so it's sort of like um it's a show that I I can think about endlessly in that way and have both of us have yeah like and it, like it spawns podcasts I think more than any other pod or uh, fandom or at least it did especially back in the day but that's oh how people God, engage so with it was like intellectually there were like 50 some podcasts yes um at a certain point and I'm sure there's there might even be more now but like um I do three <laughs> or have done three um at different times so it's just sort of like it's something you can just talk about endlessly because it's been on for such a long time and you know I love my Star Wars I love my Star Trek you know there's there's uh, you know I love weird uh other British science fiction I, I like Quatermass and I like Sapphire and Steel and like weird stuff like that but like Doctor Who just like hits all the boxes it's fun it's you know bouncy it's like all this stuff and it also has really like deep things you can like peel apart and think about and everything like that so right. and even when um, it goes like dark and emotional it doesn't kind of stay in that loop of despair very long mm-hmm. like you know it's just enough for you to be able to feel that emotional impact and understand the gravity of what's going on but yeah. you know it'll also counter counterbalance that really quickly and i mean and sometimes you need that because i think a lot of media now can kind of like kind of relishes in that darkness and kind of staying in that like you know gruesome space i mean especially when you think of like like Game of Thrones and uh, yeah. House of the Dragon and all of that stuff. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like Game of Thrones. I like House of the Dragon and stuff. But watching that stuff can feel extremely heavy. Yeah. Because it kind of constantly stays in that, in that, you know, in that specific mode. And I mean, I think Doctor Who does a lot better of like, okay, we're going to touch that beat. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you feel the feels. But then we're also going to pull you back up and give you something to hope and believe in. And it's just, it's a universe with endless possibilities. Yeah. Like, I mean, you would think that a show being back since 2005, that, you know, they would be running out of ideas or running out of steam and stuff. But I mean, to me, I could just see where the show could just, the scope could just continue to go so much wider and so much further than anything we could ever imagine. It's just, it's a show so full of hope, yeah. so full of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree. And it's, it, it kind of, uh, I'm a big anthology. I think we both talked about this before, but like, I'm a big anthology, like series fan. So like, you know, yeah. like Tales from the Crypt, but I'm a huge Outer Limits and Twilight Zone fan, um, even more so Outer Limits than Twilight Zone, honestly. And um, and and old like the original series Star Trek because it was so much more like here's a weird sci-fi concept that our main characters have to deal with, and that yeah, that has continued on, and and almost nothing really does that anymore. Of uh, with the exception now of um, Strange New Worlds, the the Star Trek kind of like ret- mm-hmm. intentionally retro style Star Trek show that they've made, where it is kind of adventure or kind of problem of the week, which is like my favorite kind of science yes, fiction. I love a good self contained story. Yeah, and like yeah, there was a great and just the idea of the the Doctor and the companion z- um, just showing up at a place and there being a problem and they have to like figure out what it is and fix it and everything like that. 
and then go bye-bye. I mean, it's very quantum leap, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, or it's very like highway to heaven, like all these old shows that I used to watch when I was a kid. Um, uh, I didn't, I didn't choose to watch highway to heaven. I watched it with my, my family. Um, sure. that was way before I was in charge of television. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it just, it has all of the kind of, um, elements of what I really like in not all media, but in media, like, I don't want everything to be like Doctor Who, but I also don't think anything else really can be like Doctor Who. It's a very singular right. concept. Time, space, future, past. It, and it's, 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 you know, somebody, I forget who, some Doctor Who luminary uh, called the TARDIS a, a, a story factory. Because it's basically like, you go in the TARDIS, you come out, yeah. it could be anywhere. Be anywhere, anytime, right. anything, anywhere. Aliens, not aliens, like you just, it's all sorts of... um uh opportunities for storytelling and uh yeah and it, it makes me really excited for what's about to happen which we will talk about but i do want to kind of hit on the last couple of seasons or um or whatever um because it's worth noting that like it's even though they only lasted 31 episodes the the chris chibnall regime with jody whitaker as the doctor was first uh announced in 2017 2017 so wow. That's a long time and and yeah. 31 episodes across almost 7 years or Yeah, when did when did the power of the doctor air? That was last year. So 20 uh, 6 mm -hmm. years. That's still that's such a long still time. Not a lot of episodes for, for not a lot that of many episodes, years. Yeah. yeah. What were your overall cuz I feel like we were all pretty excited when when Jody was announced. Um but what, you know, having in retrospect, I guess now, what were your overall thoughts about the Jody era? I mean, I just, I hate that I didn't enjoy it as much as I did because yeah. I did have such high hopes, um, especially with the TARDIS team with, you know, her being the first woman doctor. And then you have this really diverse TARDIS team. Um, I was also really, you know, curious and interested about how the dynamic would work with, you know, three people in a TARDIS. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, so we're like, this is a full ride we're going into. This could be a lot of fun. There's a lot of different relationship dynamics and stuff that you can build. Um, but, you know, I just, I think it just, there was a lot of, inconsistency there yeah. yeah like every time I would feel like I was kind of like getting into the groove of it and trying to really understand you know this incarnation of the doctor and getting an understanding of like Ryan and Gaz and you know and Graham and, and later Dan once he kind of came into the picture and stuff it just seems like it just threw it threw me on a completely different loop mm. like off of the track yeah so I mean I, I think it lacked a you know lacked a little bit of consistency um I also, and this is just kind of something I've maintained too, it just seemed like as a whole, like the the BBC and the marketing machine and stuff behind Doctor Who, it, I think there was definitely some failure on that part too, mm. you know, to continue to keep people engaged and, you know, involved and everything. It just seems like they sort of turned the lights out over there and, you know, it was just like, oh, we're still making this show. Watch it if you want to. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't want to, it's, you know, it's it's all right and stuff. But yeah, um, you know, I didn't necessarily dislike, especially like the flux idea. Like I think mm. in theory, it was, you know, a good thing. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, like a story, you know, like a season long, like storytelling arc and stuff. Like I'm somebody that's really, that really digs that kind of thing. Cause yeah. I like old TV and I don't need you to rush me through a story. You can take some time, you can develop the characters, you can develop the story. Like I don't need answers to questions. How some people are like immediately searching, like I must know all the answers by episode two or my head is going to explode. Like you can take a few episodes to tell me the answer and I'll right. go along with the journey. But I mean, it just became so convoluted and 
I don't know. It's just so much about the era that was just like, just convoluted and just too much. Like it just felt overstuffed, but at the same time, it felt like the things that happened weren't necessary. Yeah. <laughs> the timeless child. Yeah. The timeless child arc was yeah. just, was that a necessary thing to do? And did it really, you know, add to and enhance the lore that you're continuing to build on this, on this story? Like it just, it sent everything in left field. And I love a good hard turn, but it just didn't stick for me. Mm. And it, yeah. yeah, it feels like it wasn't, not that it wasn't thought out, but it was like, um, it was never dealt with, I think, properly. Like once once the reveals right. happen, we never really get the, you know, you know, the doctor meets uh the Joe Martin doctor. What is you're not a future doctor, you're a past doctor. But I don't right. remember you. I should remember you and all this stuff. And like the doctor basically learning that their entire life uh that they knew was just a small part of their actual life and like, you know, learning that mystery. But like there's like we never see the doctor really contend with this mystery. And then what maybe my biggest fault of the, or the, the thing that I find the biggest fault is not that the context of the doctor changed so much, literally the idea that the doctor is this mysterious character that uh, somehow could regenerate. And that's the reason time Lords have regeneration in the first place. Like don't get me started. on. I mean, that is very convoluted, but like, it doesn't matter because nothing happened because of it because by the time we and the doctor learned this truth the master has already killed all the time lords because he found it out first and then just tells the doctor about it and then the doctor never contends with it again (laughs) yeah but what's the point i mean you introduce all of these ideas and you never you never wrap them up or never kind of you know finish that thread that you you know you're dangling a thread out there for people or whatever and it's just like okay i'm gonna dangle this at you because it's you know, it's different and it's, it's cool and it adds mystery and stuff, but it doesn't tie into anything in the future. And like you said, it just really feels like it, it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, which is a huge yeah. bummer. And I, it's a shame because I yeah. like Jody. Yeah. Like her as the doctor or whatever. I think she was fantastic in that role. I like the companions well enough. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not really sure. And I'm not, I'm not a Graham hater, you know, or a Dan <laughs> hater. I'm just not really sure. <laughs> why they were there, you know, for any other purpose of like, we just, you know, things are a little bit too out of, you know, our typical formula. Let's, right. you know, throw somebody in there that looks a little bit more familiar to right. make, you know, people feel more comfortable and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, for the most part, I found them to be fine. I, you know, I like Ryan, I like mm. Yaz, I like the, you know, the dynamic between, especially between Yaz and 13 and stuff, but, you know, and you had some really great um, shining stories in there. Um, I really did appreciate though, how, especially with like Rosa and like uh, Demons of the Punjab and mm-hmm. stuff like, you know, kind of dealing with a uh, real life history that caused harm to people yeah. um, um, dealing with racism and kind of some of the realities that those type of companions would face while they're in the TARDIS. Like I really, I think they did a really great job with those. Um, and you had stories that would, that shine pretty well, like the um, haunting of Villa Diodati. That That's not just my Fantastic. favorite of of that era it, it's it's yeah. in the contention of my favorite new who like ever it's such a good yeah. story yeah it's so so good it's great so <laughs> that episode actually came out um it was during galley galley yeah. one year and so <laughs> galley 2020 so that Joy was about, and, yeah, was about yeah. three weeks before lockdown started maybe uh, yeah maybe a little closer to a month but yeah like 
wildness. Sorry, go ahead. We had a great, yeah, we had a great time there. That, that was a great, that was maybe my favorite year at convention for some reason. We had no idea we were flirting with like. <laughs> <laughs> we were so close to so many people. No mask, no anything, because at the time, everybody was thinking that it was something happening overseas. Yeah. Like, I remember flying into LA and they had international, uh, like international travelers kind of quarantine off to a separate area. But right. if you were flying like, you know, within the United States, like you just flew right in. Nobody was wearing masks. It was like 3000 people there. We were vibing and taking pictures and oh yeah, we had a great time. And then the world just shut down like a couple of weeks later. But yeah, like a group of us, like me, Joy, um, Nicole, I think uh, my good friend Sky, like it was probably five or six of us uh, joining our rooming together that year. And we all got together and watched it in the room. And it was just, it was so funny because we just were like, <gasps> like our reactions were gasping yeah. and like, oh my God. And when the doctor finally like, cause she needed to get the fam under control. Like they were just <laughs> not- She sure did. They were not listing and they were just out here way out of pocket, bro. And I was like, yeah, I have to say something to these people. They were literally, I mean, it, like, if you haven't seen that episode or hadn't seen it in a while, it's, it's, it's superb. It's basically, um, so and, and to your point earlier about like, um, Rosa and demons of the Punjab, this, I think one of the, the hallmarks of this era, the thing it did better than any other era, especially new who is that it, it did historicals amazingly well. It actually set them in the proper uh, context most of the time. And there were a mm -hmm. ton of really great celebrity historicals where there was real people who were not like, it's not like Shakespeare or Agatha Christie, these most incredibly famous people. A lot of times right. it was like scientists or people, you know, like, um, you know, in, in Spyfall yeah, part two, you meet, in there. Yeah, yeah, you meet Ada Lovelace and, um, nor I forget her last name, but, uh, uh, scientists from world war two and like women mm -hmm. and people of color who were, um, integral to you know some event that don't get really talked about that much which i thought right, was, yeah. was excellent um and so you have uh haunting of villa diodati take place which i think is perfect like f this real uh gathering that happened between uh at at a villa in in switzerland during uh 18 whatever 12 or 15 something like that where there was a volcano that went off uh that caused the entire European countryside to be dark for a summer. So there was this, it was the mm -hmm. cult of summer without sun. And so it was a weird time anyway. And then you had Lord Byron invited Percy Shelley, Mary Wollstonecraft, who would be Mary Shelley, uh, Dr. Polidori, and then a couple other like people to this villa with the game aim of let's write this each try to write the scariest ghost story ever, which is a real thing that I actually happened. That yes. And, um, uh, Lord Byron wrote, I forget what he wrote, something very highfalutin. <laughs> this is Lord Byron. Dr. Polidori <laughs> wrote The Vampire, which was the very first vampire story, like in modern times. Mm -hmm. And then Mary Wollstonecraft wrote friggin' for Frankenstein, which is Frankenstein. maybe wow. the best, or like, or certainly the first, like, modern sci fi slash horror bo uh, book, like, ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the story unfolds that this lone Cyberman that we've heard about is kind of Frankenstein. Like I was just, it was a perfect melding right. of Dr. Who stuff and, um, and real life and real life stuff. Events. I loved it. Yeah. Two pieces um, as a, as a huge horror fan of which you are as well, but all, and a huge literary nerd and a huge, like all this stuff. It was just like, 
check, check, check. And like, like to your point, the the doctor gets the fam in line. They're literally going, well, who cares if Percy Shelley dies, if it saves all these other people? And she's like, how dare you? (laughs) Like, why would you? You have no idea. I make these, I've made these decisions for thousands of years. Yeah. So much more experience than you. And then she has that amazing monologue where she basically scolds them for this, you know, possibly wanting to sacrifice them. And she says, words matter. And I was just like, especially when you look back, I mean, it gets chills just thinking about it. But like when you look back at 2020, what then would happen after that whole rest of the year about how we just prove that words do matter. Words do matter. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was amazingly prescient. And yeah, it's, it's. It is I one cannot of my say favorite enough good Doctor things Who about stories. that episode. I think it's, I think it's masterful. But perfect. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was more like that. Like that yeah. was, and that was um, Maxine Alderton was the writer. We should give shout outs where we can to to people who made the the episodes. But um, and she she has two Doctor Who stories that to date. Hopefully, she gets to write more. She wrote that one, and then she wrote Village of the Angels, which is far and away the best episode of Flux. Yes. <laughs> So it's just like you're two for two in my she book. Nailed it. Yeah, like just get her, get her on, get her on the pin all the time. Yeah, nailed it both times. Absolutely, but yeah, I love. That's my favorite thing about the Jim Lehrer, like looking back, is like all the all the great historicals because they they, they not that they didn't do historicals in the new era because obviously they did, but like the focus on the history and the like learning about people and events right. and everything. Yeah, instead of just kind of shoving a historical figure into some weird situation. Yeah. And multiple like, ones where, where per, <laughs> per season too. Like yeah, the fact that Rosa and demons of the Punjab were only like a couple episodes removed from each other and like, mm-hmm. um, Spyfall and, uh, uh, Nikola Tesla's night of terror and the hunting of Villa Diodati are all in the same season. Like, it's it's yeah. wild <laughs> like it is wild all of these all of these real people who are like uh worthy of of uh celebration who don't get so i mean not that mary shelley is uncelebrated obviously but you know what i mean like right but it, it's showing it, it's depicting her life and i mean of course from a somewhat fictional standpoint or mm-hmm. whatever but it's depicting her life in a different way like before she even became mary shelley like again she was going by her maiden name so this is her very very early before she becomes this you know this well-known author and stuff like i like that that time exploring those time periods of someone's life yeah before they become the person or before they do this like monumental or like changing thing or whatever love it yeah and then and then like it it culminated not a thing um but like flux so the problem with flux is that uh, it was shot during COVID, like pre-vaccine COVID too. So it was like yeah. they were they had to try to shoot a million. <laughs> it was an it was a novel idea, which is like let's shoot with fewer people at a time, but have multiple things going on at once. So like that's why it feels right. so disjointed, is because they would try to shoot with this with just a small group of people, um, or outside or something like that. There was this was I think even before we knew that outside was relatively safe if you stayed far apart kind of stuff. Um, right. Uh, and so they, I mean, they did their, they did their absolute best, I think to try to, but like, so they shot the the first three that they shot and then realized that they were going to have two fewer episodes, I think. Cause it was, I think it was initially supposed to be eight episodes. Yeah, it was initially supposed to be eight. Yeah. And then it was six and poor Chris Tribnall, those three had already been shot. And so he had to try to condense oh. four. Uh, uh, f- wait, I'm doing, doing my math, right? 
yeah, five episodes, episodes into, into yeah. three. <laughs> you had to condense uh, five episodes of story uh, into three. Um, that is a Herculean task. And rather than cut anything out because everything was kind of tracking throughout the season, there are things that happen in those already finished episodes that kind of play into other stuff. He couldn't just right. excise stuff. He had to try to cram it all together. You had into to one condense ep- it down the best you could. And it's a mess. Yeah. It's it a, feels I mean, like a, yeah. <laughs> it feels like a can. How they tell you like contents are under pressure in a can and yeah. don't put it, <laughs> it does. like if, if things are over a certain degree, it's going to explode. Like, it seems like you're literally just like sitting it outside in the hot sun and like yeah. waiting for it to explode. And it's just like, <sighs> it's, like yeah, too much. And so you have, yeah, you have episodes like, so episode three, five, and six were those three that he had to condense and they are, they are so packed and they are hard to understand. And yeah, I still don't think I understand some things (laughs) after going back and watching it twice. And I'm like, do I, yeah. Did I get everything I was supposed to get out of this? I don't know. And there are absolutely characters that could be, that could be taken out. Like. (laughs) There's the sub villain, the Grand Serpent, that does not need to be there. Um, yeah. I I hate I hate to harp on how how it's a it's a it was a big swing because I'm with you. Like I was really jazzed for the idea of a single storyline carrying on because they've done yeah. that in Doctor Who before, the Key to Time series during Tom Baker's era, and then the Trial mm-hmm. of the Time Lord during Colin Baker's era, where it's like, hey, that's cool. Like um, right. there's a quest narrative going on through each of these seasons. Um, and so I was really jazzed about that, but yeah, it was just, it kind of didn't come together for me that well. It did not. I don't, I just don't, I mean, and sometimes there's always kind of that, uh, that allure of like rewatchability, right? Yeah, like, right. you know, I want to go back and be able to like rewatch and kind of re-experience this and, and everything. And uh, like the only reason I went back and rewatched Flux at all is because I, I did the Jody. Whitaker interview at yeah. Galley. So I just wanted to make sure that, you know, just in case some of that stuff came up, that it was like fresh in my brain and stuff. But I, I, outside of that, I would not have gone back and rewatched those. Like I have my handful of episodes, you know, Rosa, Morning mm-hmm. Villa Diodati. Like I go back and I rewatch kind of those few episodes and, you know, enjoy those, you know, enjoy those things. Um, the Woman Who Fell to Earth, I actually like her orange, her origin story episode mm-hmm. um, quite a lot. So I go back and, and you know, and rewatch those. Um, but I'm also a sucker for like, uh, the first episode after a, a clean slate, you know, new, mm. new doctor, new companion, um, sometimes new showrunner. Like, it's just something that just feels like so incredibly fresh about that, that even if the story isn't that great, I just like, I, I love a new beginning. Yeah. Feels yes. like a pilot. It was definitely like that first series. I think uh, everyone was real hyped on it. Like, obviously we were, you know, and then once you get the first three, like woman who fell to earth and then the ghost monument, which I actually really like a lot. Um, yeah, and then, and then Rosa and it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, they, they're yeah, really doing some stuff. Started. And then yeah. you had stuff that didn't really work. And then you had demons of the Punjab, which is really good. And then you had, right. Some Blam, you which had, like I, orphan 55. <laughs> yeah. The witch finders is really good. I want to shout out yeah. ones that I really like, but, um, I really like Nikola Tesla's night of terror. Fugitive. The Jadoon is obviously a, uh, monumental episode for a number of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. but we've talked about before that, like, as great as Joe Martin, I mean, Joe Martin's astounding, Amazing. but like, and she's in a bunch of episodes, but it's not actually the doc, that version of the doctor in a bunch of them. It's a lot of holograms. Right. It's a lot of memories. Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, whatever. And it's, it's sort of like, what? 
you want to bring her back, but it's like you haven't given her an episode yet. And so that's right. I'm sort of hoping we'll talk about spinoffs potential because there's a million uh, that could happen. But like, that's one that I absolutely want to see. It's like if if you're going to like you have this person who loves being the doctor, who is really ready to talk and you have an era where you're ready to have spinoffs, it's like give us a division uh, thing where love that where Joe Martin's on a bunch of like missions for the Time Lords like that can be your darker story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's something I want to see in live action specifically. Like, you know, no, not to big finish. I love big finish audios. Mm -hmm. Um, And they tell, they do a really good job of kind of filling in the gaps of things that we don't get a chance to see on television or kind of exploring some things that may have, you know, some threads that may have gotten started that they just never quite got a chance to finish because they had more important, you know, more important business to wrap up. But I want to see that in live action. Like I want to see Joe Martin on the screen in that fabulous, fabulous, costume that's um, such that a coat. good look oh man yeah i can't the thing that really got me um of course you know that episode was just like so thrilling you know yeah. for for so many fans for you know quite obvious reasons but what got me is that days later people had her costume on like ready to go like the 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 costuming part of doctor who fandom which i am sort of a part of but i'll be making stuff like i, I need to yeah like listen yeah. i'll dress if i can like get it off the rack i'm in otherwise yeah. i can find it in the store yeah. i can you know haggle on ebay but it's not making a code like i no, I'm not doing all that but i mean i have friends that do that and literally days later they were walking around dressed like the fugitive doctor and it was just it, it was it, it's so awesome yeah one of my favorite moments yeah it's great and like everything about that look and that's why they kept it you know like the doctor changes their clothes quite frequently, but it's like that look is so iconic yeah. at this point. Like, um, I'm, I'm. That's what makes me kind of sad about Jodie's era, though. Yeah. Is that she didn't really get a lot of variety. You mm. know how some of the docs. I mean, you have this literal closet in the TARDIS, full of outfits to wear, and she pretty much wore the same thing, yeah. even in the haunting of Villa Diodati. Like everybody else was dressed for the time period, and she still had on her typical coat and you know that shirt with the rainbow stripe across yeah. it and it's like dude like as animated as she is you would think that she would have been digging in that closet every chance she got yeah and the most that they wore a spacesuit they changed the color like the pattern not the pattern but the color of the shirt a few times she shirt. wore different mm-hmm. shirts and i think once or twice she had a different coat on but like it's the yeah, same the coat, coat had the same design right you know yeah just different color yeah when you look back at like matt smith had uh, at least, I know three distinct looks like because he had the first mm-hmm. one where it was the kind of brown tweed with the bow tie yeah. and then the next season he had similar look but he had that longer green coat which if you remember that, that. and then yes. you had my favorite which was uh, the purple the velvet joint yeah, yeah man that's super yeah, good that velvet joint was talk about a fly fit like yeah. my boy was fly I love a velvet <laughs> coat yeah <laughs> It absolutely was. And then and then the same for Capaldi. Like he had his opening look and then the next season he had his kind of ruffled, you know, uh retired rock star look. And then he had his professorial <laughs> look with the with yes. the frayed kind of, you know, velvety look. Like Yeah, he was with Bill. Yeah. Yeah. He just And they, that fits so well because of their the dynamic of their relationship, the teacher and student, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly I loved all that stuff and like um I wish, yeah, I'm with you. I wish Jody had a little bit more variety or like spiced it up for, especially like specials. Like yes. the doctor's always wearing something weird in a Christmas or a New Year special during that period of time. Um, yeah, well, but, she did wear the suit in Spyfall. That's true. Which was nice. Yeah. But it still was just a basic suit. Yeah. Like a bow tie, yeah, I yeah, believe. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So we should talk a little bit about. So like I, I was sad to see Jody go. I, I I will say that because I don't think even after that many years, she only had 31 episodes and right. it just didn't feel like she was around for very long. And I understand that there was COVID issues and there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that was out of her control. And there was a period mm-hmm. of time when they didn't even know they were going to do flux. And so Jody's last episode might have been a uh, revolution of the Daleks, which is, that would have been a, a travesty. Like, so I'm glad we got more episodes with yeah. her. I'm glad we got Eve of the Daleks, which I think is amazing. I love Eve of the Daleks quite a bit. Yes. Um, and then uh, I have a lot of narrative issues with Power of the Doctor, but it's also like a huge like you get to see Ace Not and Tegan. It's I'm absolute okay fan service. <laughs> the the companion um support group at the end. It's just like yes, of course. I love yeah. that. Yes, I've been wanting to see that yeah. for a while because I'm like, there's no way you guys haven't found each other Yeah, and just talked about all the weird stuff you've experienced. Yeah, I loved that. And, and just the emotional, I can't even imagine like the emotional weight that all of them are carrying too. Yeah. Because I mean, they have a great time in the TARDIS, but like I, I always tell people, I'm not sure if I want to be a companion because they see some really, mm-hmm. some really heavy things out there and a lot of people die. Yeah. Like to your point earlier, how you show up at a place, this weird thing's happening there's a lot that the doctor and companions leave behind. Like they'll, mm. they'll leave a world in shambles and they're like, well, I mean, we got rid of the threat. Right. It's up to We're them now. now. Yeah. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, that's another thing about the show that like I find endlessly fascinating is kind of the moral obligation aspect of it. Like how much is the doctor making things worse essentially by just destabilizing? I mean, it's, you can kind of read it as like an allegory for the U S going into a lot of countries and just being like, here we're giving yeah. aid to these people and we're messing it up and bye and and right yeah and it's like is this is this helpful yeah um, or is this harmful yeah and then the doctor just going ah, I'm not going to stick around you guys deal with it it's up to you now <laughs> right. like sometimes doesn't even don't even say I'm leaving just leave and it's like just leaves yeah yeah so uh, that is a huge aspect of it um so anyway what's coming up so Russell T Davis is uh coming back is back he's been back they've shot the entirety of the first full season of the new Yay. era it's going to air um in the uk still on uh and ireland on um uh bbc as per but elsewhere it is going to air on disney plus um and it's going to be i think same time same bat time same bat channel kind of stuff um yeah. which is awesome and so we already know that we're getting three specials for the 60th anniversary which i cannot believe it's been 10 years since the 50th already like i understand that's how wow. time works and numbers work but <laughs> um my my heart cannot believe that it's been 10 years already but um and all of those will star david tennant who is back but not playing the 10th doctor playing the 14th doctor who is a weird kind of um, I, I think you can kind of read it and maybe they'll explain it, but like as some sort of remnant of having the, the doctor in the power of the doctor's like life force kind of messed up or whatever. So yeah. she's kind of going backwards uh, or she went backwards into David Tennant. And so I, I am hoping uh, that it is, he's a similar, but markedly different version of the doctor. I don't want him to just be the 10th doctor, but with a new number and a new coat. Like I want him to yeah. be a different version of the doctor, maybe a little, yeah, just a different personality, I think, would be... Well, in the trailer, he seems to have a bit more of a harder edge. Yeah. Like how the 10th Doctor was a little bit more kind of, like, joking yeah. and, you know, could be a little bit more whimsical. Not that he 
you know, didn't get angry or anything right. like that. But like his general, like his default personality was a little bit more whimsical, joking and stuff like this guy seems to be a lot more serious and panicked, yeah. um, which panicked makes sense because why do I look like this? Right. <laughs> why is this space back and what is going on? You know? Mm hmm. And I'm really looking and obviously you wrote a whole piece for uh, us on Nerdist.com recently. You've written many pieces about Donna, actually. <laughs> you have, <laughs> you're a big Donna fan, which I, I completely am with you. I think Donna's excellent. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, as you rightfully point out in one of the pieces, I think the most recent one, but like it's uh, Donna's ending is a bummer. Like. Totally. She, she gets her memories wiped. She gets her personality wiped. Like basically she's back to the kind of vapid version of herself that she was before. It's one right. of the, it's the cruelest thing. I think Russell T Davis did in his entire run was to strip Donna of her growth. I think that was. Oh, very, yeah. And I think yeah, he I mean, realized the it. other two companions, they came out, uh, they fared out a lot better. Oh, much better. So I mean, you've got, you know, Rose who basically ends up with her, own version of the doctor yeah. and she's on parallel earth she gets her you know a different version of her dad back so she kind of gets that piece of her life that she was missing and um you know mickey goes off to kind of be a cool alien freelance hunter and all of that and he's certainly a lot better off than he was when you know when he started which i mean i guess you could kind of count him as a companion since he traveled with him for i mean a bit. he technically was in the tardis I mean, so yeah 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 you know and even martha fares out pretty well mm -hmm. but i'm like poor donna like at the end of journey's end it was such a such a bummer i'm like she went through all of those experiences, like had this great relationship with the doctor, became this really important person in the universe, changed, like you said, her personality was completely different, like yeah. a more holistic you know, perspective on the world. And I mean, before she was just kind of so caught up in her own like bubble and a bit of her own like ignorance about things and stuff. And I mean, and now she's become like this well-traveled, like, you know, universal person or whatever. And now she has to go back to what she's doing before. Um, and even when they bring her back, it's, it's still sad because you can, the experience like impacted her so much that she's still having like remnants and like remnants of this life before that she can no longer fully remember still kind of like shining through and stuff. Um, and I think it's really interesting with the, with these specials that are coming up, especially now that we know that Rose is actually Rose Noble, her daughter, like I'm right. like, well, I mean, she's still got like that, you know, that, that that kind of longing for something that she knows is missing. She even says so much. So in the trailer, like, you know, I feel like something good was a part of my life and I'm missing it, but it's still showing up because she named her daughter Rose. So, I mean, that's obvious not to Rose Tyler, you know, and yeah. stuff. So her story definitely was set up at the end, even with her getting married and having the winning lottery ticket, which isn't a bad shake. I mean, compared to what's happened to some other companions, people have not in the modern area era technically, but people have died. Like, yeah. And, Bill got turned into like a water person to travel with a water woman she barely knew. Like weird things have happened to companions. You know, people have been turned into Cybermen. Like bad stuff has happened. But yeah. <laughs> Donna's story left it like just open enough. Like it was a relatively happy, as happy of an ending as she could get considering everything that happened. But it left it open for more exploration. Like I just don't see where they would have been able, they can't really bring Rose back because she's still on the parallel earth technically. Right. Um, and then, I mean, Martha's out. She's a doctor. She's living her life. She walked away from it. So she really has no desire to be right. probably reunited with the doctor in any kind of way. But I mean, that storyline was a perfect way to really kind of leave the door open for Donna to be able to come back and to kind of continue to explore, you know, explore her story and their dynamic. I love 10 and love Donna together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm really, I'm really my favorite. 
Please. Looking forward to all of these. Yeah, those those episodes, um, which they still haven't set a date, but they're, it's supposed to be November sometime. Um, right. The 60th anniversary is the 23rd of November. Uh, it's um, they might all air like one after the other on a on days and they might be dropping all at once, which I kind of doubt they're going to do, especially if it's going to air on BBC one. Um, I don't think it'll be weekly. I think it'll be that week. Like they'll have the same, they'll yeah. have all three of them. I can see them doing like 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yeah, totally. You know, something where you have like the, the final, uh, special air on like the actual anniversary. Yeah. I, th- I think that would be, um, perfect. I think it would just be perfect to have all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, and we know that Neil Patrick Harris is going to be the bad guy in one of them. And uh, one of them is called the Star Beast. One of them is called Wild Blue Yonder, uh, which is like the one that's mysterious. We're not sure what's right. going on in that one. And then the last one's called The Giggle. The Giggle. Which is exciting. I don't know what any of that <laughs> means. The Star Beast, I think, is actually a uh, an adaptation of a comic from the 80s, maybe? Um, oh, I did not know that the uh, the little creature that's in it. I have not read any of the comics, but um, mm-hmm. the little creature that's supposed to be in it is uh, from a comic book, which was like a, a big, big thing for a lot of uh, for a specific group of fans, which I think is awesome. Um, yeah. But then so whenever the next season is, that is when Shudigatwa is is entering the fray and we've already seen a lot of images. That's, you know, to your point earlier about how the BBC sort of stopped promoting the show. As soon as Russell mm-hmm. T. Davis took over again, he was promoting stuff, teasing stuff. Like there's yes. so many pictures out of Shudi Gatwa and um, Millie Gibson as uh, what's her name? Ruby Sunday. Ruby Sunday. Which heavens to Betsy, that's a silly name. <laughs> oh, but God. um, but them in different costumes and stuff like that, and like Shudi looks good in every so, bit of clothing <laughs> that man gosh, can wear some clothes yeah, he's such a handsome guy yeah. and just has like this like personality yeah. when he's with somebody that i necessarily and I, i'm not really somebody that speculates a whole lot about sure. you know when they're going to cast somebody new i'm just kind of like okay i'll just whenever they announce it maybe i'll know this person maybe i won't um but when they announced him i'm like this is perfect like i never would have pegged him for being the doctor but after seeing him because i familiar with sex education and stuff and so i've seen him up there and i'm like oh he's got absolutely the right amount of like personality and just kind of like he's this big like rash loud like figure or mm-hmm. whatever on that show so i'm like he absolutely can nail this and also just a total like fashion fashionista in real life yeah i love it this he is a... amazing. He's got a mustache too, which makes me happy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first time we see him in the, in the little teaser where he says, what the hell is going on here? He's in, he's in yes. the thir- 14th doctor clothes and he's got a mustache. And I, the, I was just like, the doctor has never had a, any facial hair <laughs> before. So it's just like, <laughs> this is it. cool. I've been waiting on a mustache. Like, yeah. Keep the mustache. Um, and like, you know, again, like, we've seen him in a bunch of different looks and not all of them are like costumes. Obviously there was the seventies look that has been going around, which I think is awesome. But like, um, uh, he's wearing multi, he's wearing clothes. He's not wearing a costume. He's just sort of like, which is my favorite thing for the doctor to do, because why wouldn't they, to your point, there's a huge wardrobe. And I like the idea that this doctor is a clothes horse and is just like, I'm going to look good everywhere I go. (laughs) He's got rings on. Like I love all the little details of everything. Yeah, yeah, Amazing. yeah. He's. I'm. I'm so excited for that. And but that entire first season of theirs of is already filmed. 
um, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. And so we don't know exactly when that's going to air. I, there's also speculation that there's going to be a Christmas special as well. I, maybe that's confirmed. Maybe that's not. So it's, there's going to be three specials in mm-hmm. November, then a Christmas special, and then. Yeah, uh, I think the Christmas special was confirmed. Okay, good. If I if I read things out there, right, that, you know, he would have his Christmas special and then would go into like his first full, you know, first full season, season 14, which is great. Yeah. So exciting. And that'll all be on Disney Plus and and presumably will be marketed a lot better, but also like will give a lot of people access to the show and an access point. And also he's that he and Millie's very young. I think she's 19 or something like that. Um, And then she and and Judy is in his twenties. Like this is the first time a, do- a doctor has been younger than me. I'm not, I'm no spring chicken, but it, uh, everybody's been at least a, a year or two old. Matt, Matt Smith and Jody Whitaker are both two years older than me. And this is the first time that mm-hmm. anybody's younger than me. So, Very young. Yeah. So it's kind of like, but that's a good, um, jumping on point. Obviously shooty was in Barbie. So people know him. He's also in mm-hmm. that show, um, sex education where, uh, that has a very young fan base as well. So I yeah. think it's a super smart move and just a cool move. Like, I just think it's like, you know, why go yes, back to cool the way it used to be? Like yeah. get somebody young, get somebody cool. He is, he's got a lot of Instagram followers. Oh, like yeah. a lot of people follow him just for his, he's been on like uh British Vogue and mm-hmm. all of those magazines and stuff lately. And he's just like rocking like these really daring, you know, out there looks. He wears a lot of like, glitter and sparkles and he had on like hot pants mm-hmm. and like platform boots and stuff and i mean you could just tell that he's going to bring some of that some of that flair to the doctor like even though we've only heard him say one sentence yeah I'm already, like, I, love <laughs> I know we're putting even that he delivered it well yeah i know we're putting already. so much onto onto that and it's also interesting too that like the first sentence we hear we've heard of him was in a promo which I think is uh, worth pointing out because every other time it's been in the episode, like, um, yeah. you know, uh, tenant talking about his teeth and everything like that. And, and Smith, uh, saying Geronimo, I'm crashing and all this stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, Capaldi talking about having, uh, uh, new kidneys or whatever. Like it's a very, yes. <laughs> um, and then Jody just says, Oh, brilliant. But that still was in an episode, you know, it wasn't right. Um, and so it's, I, I find it really interesting that like, but that's, that's how much they're trying to get you excited for what's to come is like, here's David Tennant and here's the next doctor after that. So it's like, right. Yeah. It's all happening right now. And I think that is rad as hell. Like I, I, I'm, it is a lot of people are going to make their way back around and I, I think know so. a lot of folks are coming. Yeah. Like you said, you know, to your point about him kind of having like a younger fan base mm-hmm. and stuff is bringing a lot of people into the world of doctor who for the first time Mm -hmm. but i also know a lot of people that are just like oh this doctor you know he's the first black doctor this is a doctor that doesn't look like anybody else this seems like you know a show i can get into it's funny um one girl on twitter she was like wow you know that guy's kind of handsome like i can see myself watching that blue phone box show and (laughs) now now doctor who's like official website the description says that blue like the the official well on the twitter page it says that blue phone box show i love it (laughs) She was like, I don't know what's going on, but it's like a big blue phone box and people are getting in and out of it and they end up in the past and the present. Yeah. I don't know. Where do I watch this thing at? And so it's, you know, a whole bunch of people started coming and under her post and they were like, blue phone box show. Hmm. And they immediately like changed their bio and it's still their bio now. That yeah. blue phone box show. <laughs> well, one thing that really makes me excited, um, one, one other thing uh, that makes me really excited is that 
uh, in an interview, I think it was Doctor Who magazine. I could be wrong about that, but Russell T. Davis was talking about his kind of why wouldn't Doctor Who, uh, the 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 franchise, for lack of a better term, be a a year round thing? And he yeah. specifically cited Paramount Plus's great stuff that they do with the Star Trek universe, where there's always some show on. Um, yeah. So the seasons might only be ten episodes, but there's you wait a couple weeks and then there's another show, um, a completely different show for a completely different. So it's not just like, here's more of the same, like you had Picard, which ended, but then you have strange new worlds, you have lower decks, you have discovery, which mm-hmm. is sort of nebulous at this point. There's going to be other shows. I, I, I really am excited for the concept of, so we have flagship doctor who, and then you can have spinoffs or you can have different yeah. time periods and stuff like that. And I, I am really excited for that prospect um of what other worlds can we explore within this parameter because there are so many characters there are so many time periods i i I know i have my like ones that i would really love to see but do you have like specific spinoffs you would be super stoked to see yeah i mean you brought one up earlier with like joe martin yeah and getting a chance to i mean that that character right there is just prime for a spinoff to be able to do something like dark and cool and, you know, really dig into what that incarnation of the doctor was like during their time period, the things that they got into and stuff. Um, I also think about uh, Sarah Jane Smith's son a lot. Luke, I believe was his name. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they were on the Sarah Jane, you know, Sarah Jane adventures and all of that. And that's a show I actually quite enjoyed. I would love to see what Luke was up to. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe he's doing some of the work that, you know, um, Sarah Jane left behind and kind of picking up that mantle and, you know, a great upgrade to their upgrade, upgrade to their computer. Maybe he still has a version of K9 and, you know, they could go and have some sort of, you know, adventure together. Um, Of course I love Martha Jones. Mm -hmm. So if Freema Edmund were to be so ready and willing to do something, I don't care what Martha is doing. Yeah. I want to see her doing things. And I, I would love to, I'm really curious about seeing where her life is at right now, you know, and what's up with her. That would so be I think rad. those would be, those would be like my top three. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I would love to see uh, with the other than those, obviously, because those are good ones. Uh, I am a big uh, Gemma Redgrave fan as Kate Stewart. I would love to see yeah. an entire unit series um, series. which is, which can be the present day stuff. Maybe the doctor shows up once or twice, but, mm-hmm. um, she, as she already did, like recruits old companions. So that might be a, another way for, cause Martha was part of unit for a long time. So like yeah. maybe Martha's, a a recurring guest cast on a unit show. Um, but then having all these other like past companions, like show up and stuff like that. I think that would be fun. Um, uh, I, as I said, I think uh, a, a division show would be good, but also like I want to see. Look, he still looks great. He's still playing the role. I want a Paul McGann series set during the Time War before he regenerates. They do that it in Big fantastic. Finish. Bring that yeah. to yeah. They did. They did it in Big Finish. Yeah, because it would be fantastic. Sadly, John Hurt is no longer with us, so you can't have a, t- right. a War Doctor series, which I think would have been a really like shoe in one. But obviously, he's passed away. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea of the eighth doctor kind of as a conscientious objector who is still trying to do good things while fighting the Daleks. I think that it would be such a fun show. It'd be dark for that sure. Would be but really like, fun. Yeah. Um, but I love Paul again. I, and, and like, again, like it's 10 years since he shot that night of the doctor thing. He still looks the same. Like it looks the same. <laughs> the guy doesn't age. He's, he might literally be a right. time Lord. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, 
I that's my that might be my number one that in the unit series, but like there there's room for all the sorts unit of series is yeah because that there's a lot to explore. I mean, they did it with Torchwood, right? So, but I yeah. never I never clicked with Torchwood, and I think I would click more with a unit show, a just because I like unit yeah. more as as a concept and everything. But I but I think having Kate Stewart as like your central figure, she's I. Like bring her back for even if they don't do a unit series. Like Gemma should Just be in the show forever. <laughs> she is so good as yeah. that character, even in Flux, where I think she was completely wasted and useless because her nemesis was the Grand Serpent again, who is a, 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 an extraneous character who shouldn't be there. Yeah, I uh, believe she's coming back for yeah, season she fourteen. She has yeah, been announced. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, why not give yes, her her own show? Keep, keep bringing her back. Yeah. Give her more things. So there, there's definitely. A, an idea that maybe they're maybe they're already planning or maybe they're already shooting some of these spinoffs and they just haven't told us about them um yeah so that way when you announce all right the new doctor who series season is going to start on you know march whatever and then in july we'll have the unit show or you know like whatever I, I, that is so exciting that's a smart way to keep the machine going yeah. and it just keep people like engaged in general mm-hmm. like that's been a you know again covid and other things kind of happening, but just in the past few years with Doctor Who in general, there's such large gaps between things. Yeah. That every time like the steam of it is going, then you just kind of lose the steam where it's like, okay, well, we've got to wait a year to the next season, or we're waiting two years to the next thing. Or if we do get the next thing soon, it's, you know, it's super short and it's kind of truncated, kind of like, you know, Flux was or whatever. So I would love to see it going around year round. Walking Dead does that too. Um, where And they've been doing that where they had Fear of the Walking Dead and then The Walking Dead was coming on and then they would you know then they did like the walking dead world beyond and even now they're still kind of doing it with these spinoffs like mm. uh dead city just wrapped up and they have like a little bit of a break now and then the daryl show is coming and then they're gonna have a break and then you've got rick and michonne and then you've still got uh other things going you know other things that are coming and spinning off so keep people engaged all year yeah I need it. and it seems to be like you know uh i think marvel is not doing it the, the way they should because it's you have to just completely shift gears. And it also feels like all of its homework. You know what I mean? At least mm-hmm. for us, as we talked, yeah. to, as I talked about last week with Dan, like um, it, it starts to feel like a chore at a certain point to watch all these shows. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, I have to watch this so yeah. I can know X, Y, Z thing to be able to understand the next, you know, piece of this chapter. Whereas yeah. with Dr. Who, again, it's, it's so much easier for them to do things. They can have a whole spinoff series about unit and it'd be, mostly self-contained right. and have nothing to do with the main series whatsoever so you can watch it you can enjoy it as like its own separate entity and thing but you don't have to take notes mm-hmm. to understand what's happening coming you know what's coming next in doctor who or what's coming next on whatever xyz spinoff they come up come up with yeah like it's just too much yeah it's way too much and star wars is sort yeah, of in that I, same I don't even think way. we're feeling that you know of course like covering it i think that people are just feeling that in general yeah. about some things like i just want to be able to enjoy a thing please may i <laughs> mother may yes, i enjoy please. this thing <laughs> um yeah i mean so uh i forget if i said it on mic or just to you but ty will be back um to talk about these specials after they air in november but um yeah i just wanted to kind of give uh uh we're both huge doctor who fans i'm a you know it's my show i can i can program whatever i want so <laughs> we're gonna talk about <laughs> doctor who quite a bit um on this program i think going forward but um it is very exciting obviously a huge part of uh getting to see new things and i know that the uh, doctor who is produced uh, outside of the u.s but um 
and and I presumably outside of the uh, the guild kind of sphere. I think it's probably an equity show rather than a SAG show. But um, mm-hmm. first and foremost, as much as we want new things to be on the air, we want the people who make the shows to be paid fairly and compensated fairly and and to have job security. So absolutely. Um, as even though we're talking about how excited we are for this new thing that's going to air on Disney Plus, um. It, I, I would much rather have everybody get paid fairly first. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's uh, take that always as as read. If you're listening to this, it's like even if we're talking about something that we are excited about, just know that. Pay, pay people first anyway. Um, Ty, thank you so much for being here, as always. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Of course, it's always fun. Yes. But of course, Doctor Who makes it extra, extra fun. We could talk about it all day. Literally, yeah, we we absolutely could have. <laughs> um, we have other things to do today. We should probably get get to those. But um, how do you have any uh, plugs you want to make? Do you want to uh, tee up any of your uh, writing specifically or your um, social medias? Now is your time. You can find me on Twitter at Ty Vidden. Not very creative or anything like that there. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at writer Ty Gooden. Uh, I am still writing a lot about The Walking Dead and all the new things that are coming out with that. And now that Doctor Who is back, I definitely will be writing a bunch of stuff about Doctor Who. And of course, I'm doing all those things at Nurse. Yeah, find all that stuff. And also, Ty is, uh, Ty is our features editor. So if you read a good feature on there, um, uh, just know that Ty probably edited it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, for listening. You can follow me on Twitter. Nope, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Um, that that was a knee jerk reaction. You can follow me on Instagram at functional underscore nerd. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Kyle underscore Anderson. Uh, I am on Blue Sky, but I haven't checked it in six weeks, so maybe I won't even plug that one. Um, and yeah, so please join me again next week on Laser Focus when my guest will be a different person. Bye bye. Laser Focus is a production of Nerdist Industries and Legendary Digital Networks. It was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kyle Anderson. For more, visit Nerdist.com.